Welcome to Between the Races from MX Vice with Ed Stratman, James Burfield, and joining us is Bas Vassen. So, uh, how are you, Bas? Last time we talked, we had a few technical issues, so we needed to get you back in and um, and get this conversation going again. Yeah. Are you good? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I've... Uh... I've had a bit of a bit of a mishap uh, last week, but uh, I'm all good now. So, um, you know, obviously, last time we spoke, we spoke about this, um, you know, horrific injury you went through, and then you decided to go on a skiing holiday. And please tell us what's happened. Yeah, well, I went on a three-day skiing trip in Austria, and uh, um, we agreed to go down the mountain for the last time at three o'clock. And at two thirty, I crashed into a little kid and I broke my collarbone. <laughs> I should laugh, but I am laughing. Uh, it's when you sent me that. It's, it's a story. Honestly, when you sent me that, when you sent me that on WhatsApp, I'm like, oh my god, he's a liability. And the fact that you've just taken out an eleven year old kid as well skiing is just awesome. <laughs> oh no, he he, he 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 skied off. He didn't he didn't like he didn't even stop or nothing. He just went. I never saw oh, him really? again. <laughs> I was laying down on the ground and there was like two or three people coming by like, hey, are you okay? Uh, Ow. I, I'm not a gay, but now I'm even worse. So <laughs> This is awesome. Um, only you, Bass. Basically, only you. I think you could probably get injured what? at chess. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a brain malfunction if I play chess, I guess. <laughs> Um, no, it's good. It's good that you're in good spirits as well. Mm. So, um, what's the uh, what's the recovery? Six weeks? Yeah, four to six weeks. So it's pretty much like <sighs> the first ten days are the worst. But like, I've broken my right collarbone. Like, this is the fifth time actually. And every time before, it was not as painful. And for some reason, this time it's a lot more painful. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the spasms that I've got because of the paralysis. But it, it's just more painful in general. I don't know why. But, yeah. yeah. But did you have, apart from obviously uh, the, the accident, did you have a good time? Oh, I had a lovely time. It was amazing on top of the mountain. Yeah. So. And it, oh, it, it was the last day anyway, so. Uh, yeah. It's okay. La- last time down the hill. It's always get, good to get it done on the last day rather than the first day. Oh, definitely. So, um, so last time we spoke, obviously um, the, the audio was a little bit bad, so we we, we didn't get the, the full gist of the of the story. So um, mm. obviously people um, uh, have obviously followed your progress, which has been um, nothing short than uh, I think we could call it a miracle because of, of where you were um, and where you are now is just unbelievable. And it's great to see you. Um, you look really well, by the way. Um, it's great to see you laughing and. Uh, apart from obviously crashing it, it, it skiing. So, um, but I want to take you back to kind of, uh, obviously we, I got to know you at the British championship. So, um, and obviously you were firing on four cylinders. Uh, it was looking really good for GP season. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, obviously it didn't go quite to plan, uh, at the first round of the British. No, definitely not. I mean, uh, yeah, with the Heat Edge KTM team back then, we had an amazing off-season. Conrad and I and uh, Adam Starry, we were like going so fast and we were like right on point, the bikes were on point. So I like 
I think uh, that was the fastest I've ever, I'd ever ridden at that time, like consistently that fast. Like it's always easy to put in like one fast lap, but I think I was consistently just a level better than I was before. But um, yeah, I just had a, I had an okay start, and then um, when I tried to make a pass for second place, yeah, it just when I landed, I don't know what happened. I just got thrown off the bike, and yeah, that was it basically. I ran straight into the next jump, and my neck went too much forward, too much backwards. And when I was on the ground, I felt nothing anymore. Basically, that's the short story of it. Crazy. I mean. Yeah, I, I was kind of there at the time, and um, yeah, I can remember it quite well. And it was just the shock for the crowd and, and, and everybody. It was uh, a, a, a very emotional time for everybody who was there, and obviously an emotional time for yourself. But you, you obviously, the you got rushed to to hospital, which you stayed there for was it over a month? Yeah, I stayed for like three weeks, to, three weeks to four weeks in Oxford. Uh, in hospital and I had an amazing care over there but yeah the first week first one and a half weeks they pumped me full of medic- medicine and I basically can't remember anything of the first week um, yeah then I stayed there for like three to four weeks then I got flown to uh, Nijmegen in Holland to the St. Clinic and yeah over there I stayed for like seven months like intern Um just basically therapy every single day. Wait, like you would, you'd be woken up at seven o'clock. Um, like then the physiotherapist would already come in, start to move, move your legs, move your arms, basically because I couldn't move myself back then. And they would just start up my body, and then at eight o'clock, the first round of therapy started. And normally, patients they get like two, two and a half hours of therapy a day means either going to the physiotherapist or going to the ergotherapist to um, learn about how you can function with your uh, paralysis or do like some silly stuff like art or drawing. You try that again. But basically I made the doctors and the physiotherapist over there so crazy that instead of like two, two and a half hours, I had like six, seven hour uh, therapy sessions over there so i'd basically start at eight o'clock in the morning and i'd get finished at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon and i'll be absolutely naked but yeah just trying to get better yeah and sort of because obviously you you went from from paralysis from was it from the neck down yeah i'm officially like a quadriplegic so yeah that means all four limbs are basically fucked that's the so, short short term for it. <laughs> That's the scientific version. Yeah. Um, so uh, the the fact that you can sit there, smile, and uh, and talk about this is incredible because I think it for me it, it tells me something about your mindset and the person you you are who's been able to cope with this. Um, mm. Because I've got to be honest, um, I, I would really struggle to to um, to cope if if that happened to me. I don't know if I've got the the drive and determination to to get to where you are. Like I think it takes a certain type of person um to be able to come back to where you are now because it's phenomenal to see you the way you are from from where you were. It, you know, obviously there was a lot of dark days. Mm, um definitely. a lot of emotional days. 
um, and, and we're kind of glossing over it a little bit by, um, you know, by uh, talking to you about it. And, and, and it's kind of, you're, you're so blasé about it now. It's yeah. kind of like, yeah, kind of, yeah, just smashed this, done this, done this. But, um, yeah, but it's is, an incredible yeah, yeah so I was going to say, like, it's, it's an incredible um, journey you've had. Yeah, you can you can be like negative and like be negative to the people around you, to the therapist, to the doctors, to your family, to your friends and everyone you know. You can be like very negative and be kind of a prick to everyone, but that doesn't really help you. So I try to just be as positive as possible because also if your mind is, pos- is positive, then it also works on your body and basically the yeah the first thing that the doctor said to us is like yeah he is even going to struggle sitting up on his own for for the rest of his life and yeah i i didn't really accept it and i just tried to try to train as hard as possible but um yeah going back to the positivity and negativity thing it's like um, if you're pos- uh, positive to the people around you, you motivate everyone around you. And if you motivate everyone around you, they want to work harder. And if they want to work harder, it also motivates you. So it's like kind of a, like a circle that helps yeah. everyone basically. But yeah, you saw the p- different different types of people in, in, in the clinic over there as well. Like definitely most people over there, they basically gave up. They didn't really want to. But also the thing, what helped me was that I was already an athlete before. So I was basically used to working hard every single day on your body, not just on your mind, but on your body. And also as a motocross rider, you're used to, um, you're used to um, like bad shit happening to you, like injuries, <laughs> uh, engine problems, pain. Uh, whatever pain. <laughs> like, yeah, you've, you've already gone through it a lot. So it's just, I know, it's, it's it's more like an obstacle than a an ending for for me at least, because I've already had so many injuries and so many uh, so much stuff happening to me before that I was like, yeah, it's just a period of the time. Like now with the collarbone, it's six to like it's four to six weeks recovering. And for me back then, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna recover for like two years and I'll be fine again. It's, I'm yeah. not fine, but I'm better. But that's also how I saw it. I just saw it, I, it as a certain timestamp with this is the certain recovery time that I've got to get back to it. And the crazy thing is also in my mind, like I'm in my mind, I'm still recovering to get back to racing. And I'm trying to keep that uh, mentality a little bit to uh, recover, to get back to racing, not just for life, but to get back to racing because that also motivates you to work harder and work more basically it's yeah. just tricking your mind nah. basically every single day that, that's it's an insane mindset to have um you know and, and full credit to you i mean if have you spoken to the same doctors like you know the, the, the doctors which were telling you um you, you're gonna struggle to do this you're struggling to struggle to that i mean have you seen them like how have they seen you recently i mean they must be uh, yeah. just yeah i've um i'm still in close contact with my doctors in Holland. I haven't spoken to the doctors in England anymore, which I think it's quite sad, but I just, I couldn't find the contact anymore. But yeah, the doctors in Holland, they also said like, yeah, this, this is just incredible. This is unbelievable. Like, how are you, how are you even, even doing this? This is not, this shouldn't be possible basically from how far you came. 
But yeah, just happening. One would other you question. put your mental Ooh. strength, or sorry, James, but would you put your mental strength down to like your upbringing or more from being a motocross rider? It's just who you've developed into because obviously it's it's very like you must be so strong to keep driving yourself and be so determined to keep fighting, mate. So it's real respect and credit to yourself. So do you have any sort of any other reasons why you're like that? Um, I think it also had to do with my upbringing. Like... Um, I wouldn't say my parents were hard on me, but they always were like, yeah, if you want to do something, you have to work hard for it. And they basically gave me every everything I wanted to uh, compete with racing. Uh, but the, um, how do you say it? Um, as long as I worked hard and I gave my everything, they, also, they were also prepared to help me with that. And... Also with racing, you're used to like growing up really fast as a racer. Like, yeah, you, you, you start riding like European Championship and GPs when you're like 16 years old. Yeah, that's not normally what the 16-year-old goes through. And I think for us, for everyone that races, like doesn't matter if you race Supercross, Motocross, uh, Formula One, uh, MotoGP, whatever. I think because all of us, we have to grow up so fast. Um, it's also more easy to grasp this kind of mentality, I think, than for someone yeah. that is just going to school. They didn't really have any pressure. Like I wouldn't say that people, that normal people that study that they don't have pressure. I'm not saying that at all, but it's a different kind of pressure. Like normally people that they, they study, they they take a few years to study, then they find out who they are, then they 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 go on self exploratory self exploratory they, they explore themselves, like go to Thailand or whatever. But we have to do all that before we are basically 15, 16. We have already, we have to be a grown up. So yeah, I think that, that has helped a lot as well, I think. Well, yeah, obviously you got to sacrifice a lot being a, a motocross racer and it's um it's all on you and you you got to be all in to make a success of yourself because it's such a cutthroat sport and there's there's not many places available. So it's definitely we, it's pretty uh, pretty good uh, attitude you've got and having to deal with that because, yeah, like the, the pressure and the weight of expectations is certainly massive being a racer. Mm. Yeah, it was... Uh... Yeah, I remember basically when uh, I did, I think it was like my second or third GP, it was Essen 2016. Um, when I was running in second and third the whole time, and was, I was battling with, with Hurlings. And then the last, like the last lap or the second last lap, I crashed and I finished like sixth or seventh. And then I came back and I was crying. And I'll, I'll never forget <laughs> this. I was, I was crying when I came back to the tent. And then Harry, Harry Everts uh, came up to me and said like, hey, we are men over here. We don't cry. <laughs> so that was also kind of like a wake-up call. But yeah, all, all those experiences, they just... Uh, um, I would do it all over again, all those experiences to be at this point. Not yeah. being a quadriplegic, but just with my mentally. Yeah. I, yeah, it's kind of made you where, what you are. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, the recovery, because um, we've glossed over a little bit of the recovery. Um, it, it, so from the point where um, you had no feeling from, from the neck down to um, getting the feeling back in your arms and your legs, um, how, how long did that take, Baz? 
Um, I'd say my feeling is still not back. Basically, like if I would go to the go into the shower or if I go into like an ice bath or something, I don't feel it. I don't feel temperature okay. differences from my neck down, and right. I don't really feel pressure. But yeah, I can move. Like I can move my hands, I can move my fingers, I can move my legs. But I don't really feel it, so it's a very strange sensation. Like if I walk, I constantly have to look down where my legs are because I've got no clue yeah. where they are. Like they could be behind me, left, right. I've got, I've got no clue. So yeah, I constantly have to wow. see what I'm doing, basically, because yeah, um, I don't feel where it is. I don't have the coordination where it is, basically. I mean, that's that's incredible because it's like your your brain's rewired to. Mm-hmm to use different parts of your body which is uh, would be alien to anybody else but you're now using that to enable yourself to be you know bloody hell go skiing yeah <laughs> i mean that's phenomenal yeah it's it's yeah it's a very strange sensation like also when i'm like driving a car basically like um i know when i'm braking when the car is stopping basically and i'm no i'm accelerating when i'm going on an accelerator basically when the car is going going faster so yeah. it's 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 a very strange uh, sensation. That it's 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 so hard to explain. I've tried I've tried it a million times, but it's, <laughs> it's basically like you see someone moving their arms, like someone else moving their arm, but it's yours. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling that, that it is. That's that's crazy. I mean, it's just hard. Like from from an uh, just trying to get my head around it is just it, it's hard. You know, to hear that and in, 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 in try and process it myself is just like mm-hmm. because we're not used to that, um, mm-hmm. and the fact that you've had to like like say your your brain's kind of rewired to 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 make this happen so that you're able to live your life the way you want to um, is is just an, an incredible. Is is other people who have had similar injuries reached out to you at all, Baz? Um. Yeah. Definitely. So because you you must be an inspiration. For, for a lot of people in that same situation where they're kind of thinking, this is it, this is, I'm done. And like, let alone, I, I, like, I, it's hard to put into words the, the journey you've had in the fact that you've been able to get your life back. It might not be exactly what you want because you're not back on, you're not back in, uh, you know, doing the, the world championship uh, and mm. back on a bike, but you've managed to put your life back together again compared to doctors saying to you, you're not going to be doing this. You're not going to be doing that. You've proved all them wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you've basically proved science wrong. <laughs> and um, yeah. you are a bit of a phenomenon to, 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 you know, must be to other people who are in a similar situation and probably just thinking, I'm never going to get back to where I am. And, 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 and there's Baz Vass and he's just absolutely smashing it. Yeah. It's just like, um, um, yeah, the thing is, I've already known quite a lot about like uh, paralysis before because my best friend actually, he uh, he is a, uh, he's got a completely paralysis uh, from his stomach down. So I knew quite a lot of that. Yeah, obviously, you saw with uh, like uh, guys like uh, Joel Hulans, uh, Brian yeah. Moreau. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you you see it everywhere. So as a racer, you already know that it that it is possible. But to really feel it yourself yeah. is a very strange sensation. So, but uh, like two weeks, two like three weeks ago, I went. All, I also went out to dinner with someone that, um, 
is actually in the Dutch National Basketball, uh, Wheelchair Basketball League. And we had some really interesting conversations because, uh, yeah, she's also, pra- she's also paralyzed. But she's also the same thing as me. Like, she's paralyzed, but she can also walk. So for her, it's also like a strange thing. And But she's more in a, more in a wheelchair than I am. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, strange to swap stories with everyone because everyone that's, that's basically has got a paralysis um, yeah. is different. So, like... I can move my legs basically, but I I don't feel them. Um, someone else can feel everything, can feel them, feel the toes, can feel everything, can feel even like a small hair on the legs, but they cannot move them. So um, that's also because science is struggling. That's also why science is struggling so much to find a solution towards paralysis because every single uh, single case is different. And okay. yeah, it's just, it's still like very interesting for, for me to also have conversation with other people about it, like how they do and what yeah. they feel and what they, uh, what they experience because yeah, everyone has got a different story basically of how it happened, but also how they recovered and how they are dealing with daily life basically. So your, your day-to-day life now is completely different to, to, to where you yeah. were and your, um, uh, involved in real estate, so um, yeah. we, we were talking a little bit about that. That's your yes, your, your full time job, but mm-hmm. um, now you're you're training riders as well. Um, a little bit. Now, every now and then, I go with my neighbor, with my neighbor Kian Dunze, who became like eighty five CC world champion last year. Um, every now okay. and then, every now and again, I go to uh, to the track with him, and uh, I'm planning to maybe do some training days in in the summer or in late spring in the summer to give some classes and whatever but uh yeah that's just uh, that's just some extra extra stuff i'm i don't think i'll be fully ready to be a full-time trainer at the moment because also physically it's just too demanding for me at the moment but uh yeah I'm, i'm just quietly enjoying an office job right now and uh, <laughs> and every me too, now and then Bas, I will go me to too. yeah <laughs> um obviously one of the questions i wanted to ask you um was do, are you enjoying sort of like obviously like you know on the podcast like doing the podcast stuff with us um being involved back in motocross again or or, mm. or do you try and not watch a racing um last pretty much all last year i didn't watch a single race basically I okay. yeah, didn't, didn't want to watch anything, but now I've watched every single Supercross. I'm waking up in the morning, like at four o'clock to watch Supercrosses. And uh, I think I'm going to watch some more, uh, more MHTP stuff as well. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, go, it's getting, it's going back to me now, like to, to have the interest in stuff. I don't know when the first MHTP is, but yeah, I'm probably going to, to at least watch it in some form. Awesome. So that's that's really good to hear. So it's kind of, you know, having that little bit of break away is kind of like you got your hunger back for it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You can you can say that. Cool. And yeah. Also, cool. Like so- to, to see how do you like like last year it was like, um, like last year and the year before, like you were still really involved with it, and like everyone was still a competitor for you, and you don't like to yeah. watch your competitors. Uh, compete and win races because it just hurts. But now, because I've already been gone for like two years, it's 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 starting to uh, 
the edge is the edge is is uh, getting more blunt, basically. Yeah, I, 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 I can. Uh... Um, I can understand that. I mean, I can't relate to it because um, I'm like a novice C rider. So if I seen other novice C riders go into a novice B group, then I'd be pissed because I'll be like, I'm going to be in the B group soon because I'm that shit. But um, yeah, I can't relate to uh, to, to where you are in. Um, it, it, it must be. It must have been hard last year, especially knowing that the riders you're racing against and seeing their progress. In 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 you know, oh, I could be there, but mm-hmm. you know, for, again. Again, it takes a certain type of mindset and a certain type of person, and I guess you're it because you're able to, um, I guess, compartmentalize this type of thing and just say, right, okay. Uh, um, but I've already thought of a. I've already actually. I'm just thinking of ideas now, and I'm thinking breakdown with Baz. And uh, mm-hmm. every week we have a, a new show called Breakdown with Baz, and, and uh, we literally go through uh, every MXGP race. What do you reckon? Um, I can't promise if I'm going to watch every single one, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll down to do a few. I'll even yeah, I'll and, be uh, down if, to like commentate on some GPs and like, yeah, just just why not? Just like I'm loving you, this. You love the sport, like like you still love the sport, eh? so. Um, yeah, and you've got with Paul Mylan. Yeah, yeah, and you've got a lot to offer as well. Hopefully, it must have been. I should, um, I should be after five years of GPS. Yeah, well, <laughs> one of um, obviously, uh, I don't know if people remember, but um, you you were obviously on um, on the Suzuki team for quite a while, weren't you? At Suzuki in 2015, 2016, 2017, until it uh, yeah. when when defunct, 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 or defunct. How, how? What was that experience like working with Stefan and being on that team at that time? Because you had um, obviously some great riders around you as well. With like um, uh, yeah, Kevin, I think was it Col- with, uh, Glenn uh, was on there. Yeah, first year was with uh, Glenn Koldenov, uh, Tribos, and uh, Desal, Saber, and then afterwards it was also with Townley, Tribos, Saber, and then also with Hunter, like Hunter Lawrence, and Jet was there, and it was just yeah. And, awesome team like it was so well organized it was just amazing to 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 write for such a legendary brand as, as suzuki and even though like the, the bikes weren't really developed since like i don't know like 2010 or something or 2012 yeah. but, uh, um they, they were just so awesome like the the, the 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 chassis and the suspension and the steering of the suzuki was yeah it was unmatchable so I I still remember it in I think it was in Talavera de la Reina. I was it was an EMX two fifty and I was just passing people left and right through bumps and going into turns and I was just passing people everywhere over there and 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 even though we were we were struggling a little bit like on the straights and stuff, I could go into yeah. into corners and I could go into downhills so much faster than everyone else. And yeah, it gave me so much confidence on the bike. It was yeah. I've also got some really cool pictures of, of Talavera. Like everyone probably remembers like Valentin Guillo on the big scrub jump. But I, I've got yeah. some pictures that I was doing the exact same thing. So yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was just an uh, awesome that's very feeling cool. on that bike. Yeah. That, that, I, you know, I love those years with, um, with Stefan, because like you said, it, the, the team looked good. It was, it was super professional. Um, and, and it was just, it just, it just looked cool. Like the gear looked cool. The bikes looked cool. Um, yeah, you know, you and the know, way they presented everything. He designed all our gear back then on the Ike. When we had the Ike's gear, 
he designed it all. Yeah. Well, I, I only got to know a couple of years ago about how good a graphic designer Jeremy is. Oh, this is he's insane. amazing. He, he's one of the best. He makes one of the most amazing kits. Uh, well, uh, one of the things which I loved about um, last year was when he um, he had the the Argentina Diego Maradona ten for for, mm. for the Argentina race. Um, in in again, it's you know in America that comes is like a, a second nature. Everybody's always got custom kit and stuff like that. And I just think it was really cool last year that um, sort of Jeremy sort of tried to work oh, with Alpine stars and pushed Alpine mm-hmm. stars to, to make that happen. I know that is, there's a possibility that he, he could be having something for Argentina again this time. So um, it, it's, it's cool. I well, like I won the world like cup. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think the, so, coo- the, uh, coolest, yeah. the coolest gear that I've ever seen from any brand whatsoever. Normally, like if you say like a cool gear would be like Fox Thor, Alpine star, uh, all those established brands, but the yeah. IXS gear that Jeremy Jeremy made for 2017, I think it was. He had the red gear with the golden watch integrated into it. That was the best gear I've ever seen. That was amazing. Uh, what, what he what he designed for that race, oh, that's the best gear I've ever seen. We need to dig it, that it, out. It, I need some pictures. Yeah, you you have you have to look back on. Yeah. I think if you go on his Instagram, you can see it. Oh, that that gear was oh, that was amazing. Who who was your um he, back back then, Baz? Who was the the guy you looked up to on that team? In that team, yeah. Um, like what rider or what person was the guy you kind of you know I looked up to or listened Clement, to the most? Uh, Clement de Salle. but when he yeah. left, I think uh, Jeremy. I think Jeremy I looked up the most because yeah, we were also on the same bike. So he was also the guy that you want to be close close to or, or beat. But yeah, yeah. like he's just a, such a good guy and just such a cool, uh, cool guy that, yeah, I'll, I always looked up to him. Even when we weren't yeah. teammates anymore, I, I always looked up to him. So, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, he's, he's a great rider. He obviously um, mm-hmm. did super well on the weekend in a pretty sweet black kit and black helmet too. So mm-hmm. did, did you get, you probably didn't get a chance to watch the Italian race on the weekend, but um, you would have been impressed with him, mate. He did super well. Yeah, I bet. He's, like, he, he is, he's a good rider. I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is, actually. No, I think you're right. Yeah. And but obviously, um, four times, you know, vice champion. Do you think he, he, he will get that elusive world title? Um, I think he's got the minerals. I think he's got the minerals, but it's just, yeah, the seasons are so long. And uh, I think with Tim Geiser and, and Jeffrey Hurlings and Roma Fevre, they're like the established guys. But yeah. Jeremy's always there with them. Like everyone is always talking about like guys or hurlings and Fabula, but no one really real or like I don't, I don't want to to sound condescending or whatever, but like no one really realizes until they watch the results. Like hey, wait, Jeremy was there like only like five seconds behind them or like two seconds behind them, so he's always there in the fight. So uh, yeah. he he's got the speed, he's got the fitness, he's got the mentality. So uh, I, um, yeah, why not? Basically, yeah. He's always, I mean, he's, the always there. he's always he's always there anyway. So, yeah, I mean, the concussion yeah. last year cost him, didn't it, in Argentina? Oh, definitely. Um, because it took him a while to recover from that. Have yeah. you um, suffered from concussion before, Baz? No, too often. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, yeah, con- concussions are are heavy. They they are everything, and definitely not to be taken lightly. Most of the time, no, yeah. But think- someone is saying like, ah, concussion, ah, it's 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 nothing, but it will uh, it will have a toll on your fitness and on your focus a lot more than more than people uh, more than people uh, recognize, like uh, give credit to to a concussion. I say it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was I wanted to talk to you about was obviously the the recent news um, featuring one of your former teams, which was the Hitachi team, which obviously uh, you spent the last few years with. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously disappointing to see them step back. Oh, definitely. Like, um, I think they won sports since like 2006, and they got their first championship yeah. in 2007. Yeah, that that already says a lot. Basically, and they, yeah. they've they've been in the sport for so long, and they've helped so many riders that used to be like factory riders. Then they had to make it kind of like a like a step down to a satellite team, and then because yeah. of Roger McGee, they were built back up to like a factory team. And I feel like I was one of those guys that was able to get back up to a factory team until like I crashed. But yeah, he's yeah. helped so many guys, and he's. I think the team was always just 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 solid. It was just good with with, with the uh, materials and with the, uh, the resources that they had. They they yeah they did as they did as good as they could. Like obviously yeah. there were as a satellite team you've got your um, you've got your drawbacks. But I was when I was with the team I could do whatever I wanted. If I, if I needed to go to Spain then I could go to Spain. If I wanted to go to England I could go to England. If I wanted to go to uh, Italy, I could go to Italy. So yeah, there were never any uh, uh, anything holding. As a rider, you were never hold uh, you. Uh, they would never hold you back. Basically, they were just like, hey, if you need this, go. Yeah. So if you no, were that's like, really cool. if you were deter- if you were determined, then you could. Yeah, basically, the Roger, he would trust you and then say like, okay, if you need this, then you can take it. Were you close to the? Um, uh, did, did you live quite close to the the workshop bars at the time? Uh, about an hour, a little bit more than an hour. I live away. Okay, so it wasn't too bad to sort of uh, obviously get out and go practicing and in testing and stuff like that. Oh no, yeah, all the time. Like we like we drove together all the time. So yeah. yeah um, Ed, have you got any questions? I'm I'm actually hogging the l- yeah. limelight here. No, I was just gonna just gonna sort of ask him about the. Obviously, we, we were chatting about MXGP, and it was good to hear that um, Kai Karsmaker's obviously got to ride one mm. of the the guys on Hitachi. He's got to ride with the BT Husqvarna, so he'll be doing MX two fifty. So sadly, not MX two, um, which is obviously not great. I haven't heard any news on gifting yet, but um, yeah, just obviously your thoughts ahead of the um mxgp season mate and even the mx2 season which will be um extremely competitive as well have you obviously you're still mates with a lot of those guys have you been hearing some stories who's um doing the old fastest at the test track um vibes so far um i don't have any uh any flying on the test track uh, talk i i'm i'm, I'm not sure but uh yeah, flying yeah. in the nightclub, then Baz. Who's flying yeah. in the nightclubs? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. I never go to a nightclub, so I, I can't give you any information on that. I'm not, I'm not one of those English riders, eh? <laughs> oh, they love a nightclub. Um, no, think, that's uh, cool. Um, 
I think did, yeah, did I hear you went out? Looks solid. Yeah. Did I hear you went out for uh, for food with Jeffrey the other night? Uh, yeah, like last last week or two weeks ago, I went out with uh, with Jeffrey Runnings. Like every every now and then, we go out for 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 dinner or whatever, and uh, yeah, basically just have a, have a good time. And most of the time, we we, we actually we don't talk about motocross when we are together. So I think that's also that's what, cool. what he needs. So. Uh, and uh, I don't yeah. know if it really ran through the last time when we were talking on the podcast, but uh, yeah, Jeffrey was one of the first guys, uh, ever, like one of the first that came to the hospital basically when I was there. So um, yeah, it was just, no, uh, that didn't come out on the last podcast. So that's uh, that's amazing to hear. No, yeah, he was. I think it was like one week or two weeks back in Holland, and he was. It was like right before Metally Basin GP, like. Um, on a Friday, on Friday evening, he was with me next to my bed, like next to my bed for the first time, and he was basically like crying, like like fuck, like how can this happen? And then the next morning, he he would fly to Metal Basin, and I think yeah, he got on the podium there or something. So that's also yeah. a thing that like how strong mentally Jeffrey is. That's it's just incredible to see. He's just an incredible yeah. athlete that he and can. If, like, if you guys. Yeah. Sorry, Baz. I can say you guys stayed pretty close through through everything. Oh yeah, definitely. We we talk we talk quite a lot, and then uh, like he he still asks me sometimes, like, "Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that?" With, with like going riding and stuff, and he's asked me to come to the track a few times. And no, I think Jeffrey is hopefully in a solid solid state now. He uh, yeah, he he seems very determined, and I think that's a scary thing for for his competitors. So. <laughs> yeah, super scary, and um, it's obviously great to hear him sign another two years um, mm, to be with KTM and in, in an MXGP. Because um, you know, I, I, we we've spoken about this on the podcast before uh, on the MX Vice show that Jeffrey Hurlins is one. He he is by far the biggest star of the sport. Um, by far, he has the he, he has such a huge pull with fans. Uh, his name. Um, you know, and he's revered throughout the world at being the fastest rider. I mean, you cannot not go on Facebook without seeing uh, a video with Jeffrey Hearns. Remember the time when he destroyed America? <laughs> yeah. So, or like the, mo- the you mo- know, the mo- mode in the movie three or four, it was this segment in like Airsoul yeah. when he was riding against the quads. Uh, Jeffrey Hearns being, uh, you know, when when Jeffrey does decide to hang up his boots, it's going to be a massive blow. For MXGP oh, because I don't think we've got another person of that stature um, who's and, and has got that much pull on social media and um, you know with actually media as a whole. Um, I don't think there's currently anybody in MXGP with that same pull as Jeffrey Hurlins. I mean, it's I mean MXGP must be sat there wondering who is going to be the next big guy that we can kind of work with because there is going to be I'd a bit of a Tim, gap. I'd say Tim Geiser. He's still quite he's still young now. So he he's got a few more years in him. But in MX2, yeah, it's, it's it's quite tough. There's like there are so many good guys, but no one is dominant. There, there there's no dominance in the sport at the moment. Like you see with Jet Lawrence basically and Hunter at the moment. There's no really yeah. dominating the the, the younger uh, or the, the the smaller classes, so I think it's quite quite tough to really pinpoint like who's going to be the next um, 
big guy for MECP, basically, or in front. One of the um, one of the things which I did kind of yeah, and and again doesn't have that personality of Jeffrey Hurlins, mm. but the one thing which did wake me up a little bit was his performance in Redbud, which was uh, Yago Gertz on the. Mm. On, his, on the 450 yeah. obviously that performance shocked me and i think it shocked a lot of people but again no one <laughs> like seems to have solid. that he did look solid yeah it was scary solid as well because um the people he was in front of was just ridiculous it's like how are you there at you know and he's obviously not spent a year on a 450 he's literally just um well, we- rocked up at the first race and uh and put a performance in like that but i mean you know I think the one thing which worries me is the future of MXGP when, you know, America has so many stars as in, you know, like the Lawrence brothers there now, Chase mm. Sexton and, and so on and so on. But I think from a, from a point of view of that, that yeah, Deegan, yeah. you know I mean? It's just a conveyor belt where in MXGP, that's what I'm worried about. Caroli, Caroli retired, you know, DeSalle's retired, um, Paul Land's retired. They were all big personalities within, um, within MXGP. Yeah, but now you've and, got, and I think, uh, yeah, you've got Geyser, who was still quite young. You've got Maxime Renault, who was kicking yeah. ass over there. Um, yeah, you've got Sewer, who was always there. You've got Fabry, Prado, Prado he's still yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I guess we're there. hoping that. I'm, I'm guessing we're all kind of hoping that one of these guys is going to step up and become the, mm. you know, take take the Hurlins mantle, so to speak. Mm. But I, I guess it's just, you know, it, with Jeffrey, he just leaves a. a he's going to leave a big, oh, big hole, hole to fill. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying that MXGP will struggle. It's just there's not that superstar who's who's next it's not if like jet lawrence has stayed in in europe he would have been that guy um but yeah i I think maybe this year is a really good time for for you know people to like you know you're hoping that a rider is going to really like push on the social push on the media um Mm. get the race results have because because jeffrey jeffrey is an amazing rider you know we all Mm. know how great a rider he is but he has that little bit of um uh confidence swagger and um kind of doesn't give a fuck does he so yeah he's got that fuck you you know yeah he has and 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 that's what's even though it's crazy that's what's super likable that's why people respect him and but the thing is with jeffrey he is like when you see him on the races then he's such a different person than when you just are going out to dinner with him or like um like if you, if you go out to dinner with him or if you just like with him one on one you can have like really intelligent conversations with him while if you're on a race track you're not getting much more than a yes or a no answer basically hmm. well uh, that's really interesting yeah because if if you if you talk to him but i think that's with with a lot of those guys that that come off as cocky or arrogant or like um, like when you have a conversation one on one, like you can really have any interesting like talks about, and not even about racing, but also just about normal things, just about normal life. Yeah. You can have very interesting things to say, and yeah, that's that's also quite nice. I think um, yeah, I think it's just finding a combination of mm-hmm. the personality. Whether that's even if it's a bit edgy like Jeffrey or someone that's super um, 
sort of upbeat like Guadagnini mm. or something. Having the personality plus the performance mm. is, is what blends it all together, which certainly rings true for Jeffrey. So you're looking for people like Prado and Renault and even Siwa. He's like super mm. great guy. You can mm. tell he, he's just really likable and he has a laugh. And mm. So just probably – and Geis is sort of a little bit quieter, obviously, mm. but he lets his lets the speaking go on the bike, that's mm. for sure. So just it'll be interesting to see how they progress moving forward. And, you know, someone like a Beniston is obviously awesome, but he, he might end up going to Supercross. Mm. Same with the Conan brothers. So that's another fight they've got in their hands as well, trying to keep the, mm. the best talent from going to America. So um, it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Is that a bastard? Do you uh, ever see yourself um, going to America? Oh, I would have loved to go to America. I... I didn't really get an offer, but I got a chance to 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 maybe do some supercrosses. Like I think it was after COVID or during COVID, when the MX2 season was like very far away. Uh, yeah. I got a chance to do that, but I was like, yeah, should I risk it? Should I not? I I, I was too scared, basically. I I, like I, said, <laughs> I was just too scared to 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 go over there and just try it. But I uh, now, in hindsight, I wish I'd done it. I wish I'd just this... taken the, the, the offer to, to ride to ride those races. And I also told told the guy that uh, that I was talking to and he said, Yeah. Just a shame, but yeah. He's just not inside him. We still very good to very good friends of we talk very often still, so it's funny you say that because I I spoke to Calvin um just before Christmas, we'd done some some interviews for uh, uh, a, a, t- a TV series, and um, we were talking about Supercross. And in uh, he was like, "I was like, would would you go to America and do Supercross?" He was like, "Hell no!" He said, "I think you you know I'm too old. I think you you've got to like do it when you're younger." And then I spoke to him because he went over to um, A1 um, mm. in. Uh, stayed over with Marshall Welton, went to went to A1, watched. And then when I spoke to him um, uh, about it, we spoke about it on the podcast show, didn't we, Ed? In, in Calvin's yep. literally thought process completely changed. He turned around and said, I'd actually really like to give it a go. After going there and yeah. seeing it, he's yep. like, I think I could mm-hmm. adapt. I think I could do it. Yeah, I think the, the thing with Supercross is, is, I think Supercross isn't much more difficult. Like, I think... Every single top GP rider could do Supercross. I think it's just the thing of doing it fast. That's the scary thing. Yeah. Have you, like, have you been impressed with that? We do all the jumps. We, we could do, we, we all, like everyone that rides GPs, we could all do the jumps. We could all do the rhythm section. We could all do the triples. The whoops are like, how big are your balls? But, <laughs> but like, I think we could all do it, basically. But to go that speed that those guys go, I think there we need like proper preparation for it. I think eventually we could all do it, but it's just it's just a preparation and getting used to all the timing and stuff. I think it's it's not about like finding the, the it's not about finding the limit, but just um, practice, 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 practice. Mm-hmm. Doing the jumps that has just become second nature to do the jumps. I think that's the yeah. that's the most important important thing to make the change to go race Supercross. I mean, you've yeah. been following Supercross, obviously, this year. You've obviously seen um, uh, Vial's past two performances in East Coast. I'm impressed. Has that surprised you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed, impressed as well. The, the, f- I'm the not- fact that he's never hit a whoop until, what, November? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's And everybody's, like, saying... I mean, 
I, I wonder how many MX2 riders now are looking at VR thinking, I fancy a bit of that. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much most because of them. I, I can't believe where he is now. Like, to okay, he's at MX, Motocross um, MX2, twi- you know, world champion twice, you know, amazing. But Supercross is so different. And, and the fact that he's mm. managed to go over there, and it's not just a case of riding around, he's been competitive. You know, he was, yeah. what, in the top three for, what, half the race in, in mm. the, his, you know, his debut? Before yeah, obviously, now it's, um, it's, just couple- it's now going just to uh, experience. I think that yeah. that's the thing that kind of I wouldn't say let them down, but I think that's just a thing. The experience. All the other guys, they've all been doing Supercross for like ten years. Even even uh, even Deegan, Danger Boy Deegan, he's been riding Supercross yeah. since he was like still on a PW. So on the PW. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's so much. Uh, that that would be the key to his to his season, just to get experience. Yeah, and and he gets the stars as well. So. I, I I can definitely yeah. see him being a podium before the end of the year. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I I would no. put my money on it that he will get a podium. Yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to hear what other people think about his performance so far. But you know, I you know. <sighs> Unreal. When you think about where he started someone, and where he is now, says, if someone says they are, they aren't impressed with Tom Vial, then they aren't following the sport. Then they don't know anything no. about motocross or supercross or in that manner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been. So he should have got like he was literally minutes away from that podium. He just had that spill, and it would have been a debut podium. It would have been so amazing. But I was actually speaking to Lucas Kuhn, and mm-hmm. obviously him and his brother Sasha are going over in two years, and they've got the same agent as the Lawrence brothers. Mm-hmm. Lucas Myrtle, the same agency they work mm. with. So, and they said the the big thing is just trying to get that training in because obviously they're focused on motocross mm. and MX2 with their factory teams, and um, it's just getting over there as young as possible. But they still want to make a mark here first mm. to set the platform for that like professional racing and to get used to the the kind of level and the vibe of racing big series and mm. dealing with the pressure and. Obviously, not wanting to go too early, but you, you sort of want to go as soon as you can to get that that repetition on the practice track, like you said, Bass. So, have you had heard much from those guys and how they're going? Um, no, not really. I, I I'm not very close to them. I think they're very impressive, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really close to them, so I couldn't tell you to be honest. And I don't want yeah. to say something that I don't know anything about. So. Yeah, it's a pretty I cool try and do that buzz, but I, my mouth opens mm. and then all this mm. shit yeah. comes out. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually. I, 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 think I, I think not having hair just lets everything out. That's <laughs> what it is, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely. You know, in a Turkish GP, I'm actually thinking about um, getting like a. Uh, maybe get my teeth done and some hair. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so uh, I was actually thinking, Turkey GP, uh, I'm going to go four days before, and then when I go to do interviews, people are going to go, oh, my God, who are you? You look so young. Oh, could be. There we go, see? I might even like dreadlocks or something. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You remember um, Shane Warne, wouldn't you, James? Yeah, I remember Shane Warne, yeah. He, he was he was big on Australia doing the um advanced hair, um like fake hair sort of or hair rejuvenation advertisements. It was advanced hair, yeah, yeah. So maybe you could sort yeah. of take over the reins in the UK, mate. Maybe, maybe I could be the the get hair guy for for motocross. <laughs> 
So, so me and Blake Baggett could be, um, yeah, we could be like, you know, uh, and maybe Shane McElrath as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're there. That's it. I've got a trio. We're the trio. Um, so, uh, Baz, we, we, one thing we uh, we did talk about, uh, and it didn't come through on the last podcast, was um, uh, the phenomenon um, or the head scratcher that is Conrad Muse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's why you lost your hair. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that is why I've lost my hair. Um, but the fastest guy on a practice track, hey? Yeah, if I can just say one sentence. Fastest to 50 right on a practice track, no doubt in my mind. The things I've seen him do on a motorcycle are inhuman. It's, it's incredible what he can do on a motorcycle. He is so good, and I've told him so many times how good he is. And it's just, yeah... I think it's also quite. For, it must be so frustrating for him that it wouldn't come through on, like on the race weekends because we could. Um, this is no dick whatsoever at Conrad, but he and on on a, on Tuesday on a Wednesday he could be like five, six, seven seconds faster than me every single lap for like forty minutes straight, and I'd be kicking myself at night like, hey, how? What am I doing wrong? Because I I could. If I wanted to, I couldn't even do one second faster. And he would be like still five seconds faster than me. And then in the weekend, I'd beat him. So yeah, I just at one point kind of felt sorry for him. Basically, because yeah. he is so abnormally good on a motorcycle. It's incredible. It's, I, I can only, to, to, towards his skills, I can only give praise. I can only give credit when it's due. And, and uh, he's also fit. Like he, he was also training, and he was fit. And when when we were riding together, like we were in in, in Spain and and just or in Holland, um, he would just he do he would do the hours. He would do the hours on the bike. He would do the hours on the bicycle. He would do the hours in the gym or in the, in the swimming pool. So that's also not not the issue. It's not the issue that he wasn't training enough. I'm 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 not sure. Yeah, you kind of you were with him all the time, so you could see that yeah, he was putting in the much. work. Um, but you just, you know, as a as a fellow rider, you couldn't understand how he couldn't convert that into the results on on the weekend. Yeah, like I've I've been I've been in England and riding. Okay, then you're riding on on the tracks that he grew up riding on. But we were in Cheddar. We were riding in Cheddar, and he was yeah. nine seconds faster than me in the beginning of the day. <laughs> And by the end of the day, he, he was seven seconds. I only got two seconds closer towards him on the end of the day. And I can I, I can do the entire lap now in my head. I I, yeah. I I couldn't find one more second. No no bloody way. And he would still be seven seconds faster than me. But then on the weekend, like we would be the same speed, or I beat him. So yeah, it's it's. Do you put it's that down to mentality on the race day, or like do you put that down because you hear Dean Wilson talking about like yeah I can shred it with the best of them on the on the on the testing track and in practice, but he's been saying like at the gate he just gets super nervous and super anxious, and that's what's preventing him from getting those top tens that his speed would sort of determine that he should be getting. Is that something you would say with Conrad? Yeah, I I I I couldn't tell you to be honest. Mm. What, what, what the issue is because he is like also when we play games with each other it's not that he's not competitive he is really competitive as well like when we play like Call of Duty or whatever he'd be screaming down the mic at me if I did something wrong <laughs> so like, he is so competitive with everything so that's also not the issue 
And yeah. I wouldn't say there's an issue with, with him. I just, I think it's just like there's some pieces of the puzzle that are all there. It's just hard to put together. But once again, his skills on the bike, like the lines, like the, the, the intelligence that he has with reading a racetrack and, um, like how he, the, the feeling that he's got on a, on a motorcycle on, on a 250 was just bonkers, just bonkers. It's the only way to describe it basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think he, he's left quite a few people scratching their heads with, um, how, how to get mm-hmm. the best out of him. Um, you know, he's obviously on the, the Crendon fast track Honda with Dave Fortnite on a mm-hmm. 450. Um, he's obviously doing the British series in weirdly, I can't recall the last time I seen him on an arena cross track, and then this year he hated now- supercross. When, when we when we on the two fifties, I asked him one time like, "Hey, would you ever do supercross or whatever?" Or nope, 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 never. So I was really surprised that he was that he's riding arena cross right now because he hated it back then when we were not only is he not only is he doing arena cross, but he's, he's like. Good. He's all right, yeah. It's like the the fact that he's only four points behind Tommy, and Tommy's very good. Um, you know, it, that says it's, a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. He is a just a, a, a real head scratcher. So, um, what? Who knows? Maybe uh, Conrad in in Supercross next. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me with his, with his skills, definitely, but. Yeah, it's you, yeah, it's interesting to hear your your insight and, and your th- thoughts on that because um obviously you spent a long time with him um yeah, me, over the couple uh, of years. Like uh, like with Stefan Sword, Roger and like all of us we've been thinking about like even I I really tried to help Conrad as well as far yeah. as I could but it's just I I I've said it like three times already now. The things I've seen him do on a motorcycle is just it's it's like a movie, basically. You 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 wouldn't think it's real life. Yeah, basically. That's, that's, that's how crazy he is on a motorcycle. Yeah, and people people can say that I'm crazy, like, but most people only see him ride at races. Yeah, and most people have never seen him, like, even if you go to Veldhoven or Lommel or whatever, that's different. If you go to a track in England or if you go to like if if you are on a private track in Spain, like if it's just the two of us riding, then yeah. I'm I'm um, I feel privileged that I'm able to seen to able to have seen uh, that kind of genius on a bike basically crazy crazy like, That's, he, uh... like, um, like Jorge Prado he was on the 250 he was the guy to beat he was the best 250 rider he was the best like by far like he would he would wrap us around the finger like every single one of us on, on every single GP but if if you could if you would go speed wise like true raw speed, Conrad Conrad would 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 have him definitely. If you could go just speed wise speed wise on a private track where it's just like one guy riding like where he's just in the zone, Con, yeah. Conrad would have him for sure. Crazy on a two fifty um, on a two fifty, but um. Obviously, he's on a 450 now, so it'd be interesting to see if he does do some GPs this year. And you know, I hope so. I, how I, he's gonna... I, 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 lo- I love watching him ride. He, his style is amazing, mm. so I love watching him ride. And now, so it looked... enough, so yeah. <laughs> and uh, was he better than you at Call of Duty, or were you, did you have him at Call of Duty? <laughs> 
Um, I think he was just more determined. I've, I think I've got more natural ability in Call of Duty, but he was just more <laughs> ah. determined. He played more hours than me. But I think I've got more natural ability in Call of Duty than him. Then, yeah. So he, he what, I have what to be he better at something in, than him. Yeah, what he lacked in skill, he had to spend more time doing. So, um, no, nah, fair play. Um, no, it's been uh, it's been amazing to uh, to talk to you. In obviously, uh, listener, you know, I, I can't get over enough. Like where where you've come from to where you are now, Baz, is just literally inspiring. Uh, you are seriously an inspiration to a, to a lot of people out there. Um, you know, it's mm. fantastic to talk to you. I really enjoy talking to you. Um, yeah, I think amazing. you come across really well. I'm so glad that you you're you're back and you're enjoying watching the motocross again. And we definitely need to do breakdowns with Baz. So I'm going to sign. I'm going to send a contract mm. in the post. Uh, post. <laughs> I'll send. I'll send a, a, a contract via email. Uh, since yeah, email. Same we're, post. We're not, we're not uh, in, in your in your hair days. So we are. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am definitely. I'm definitely showing my age now, aren't I? Post. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Soon I'll be I'll be uh, I'll send you my favourite CDs, um, and you can play those as well if you want. Aren't they VHS tapes? Yeah, VHS. <laughs> yeah I'm just catching it with Blu-ray. Fax yeah, fa- yeah, fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm after this podcast. I'm just going to go home and cry. Um, you know, because I'm I'm now 47 years of age. Um, I'm actually probably twice as old as you, aren't I, Baz? I'm 25. How do you know? Yeah, so 25. Ah, oh, you're cracking on now. Yeah. Yeah, cracking on. That's it. Is that grey hair there? I can see. I, I've, I've got one grey hair in my eyebrow, so. Ah, <laughs> there we go. See, I'm not, I'm not doing too bad at the moment then. I haven't got any hair, so you can't see any grey hair. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's been amazing to chat to you. Um, Ed, have you got any other questions you want to oh, talk to about before we let him go? Oh, there he's yeah, back. There he is. Oh, I'm back. Sorry, I was going to say, um, Ed, have you got any? Um, have you got any more questions that you want to you want to hit Baz with before we leave? Yeah, I think he's covered um, most of everything. But I think it's just um, it's just really been cool to have a chat again, mate. And it's mm-hmm. it's cool that you got you doing so well with everything. And it's it'll be exciting trading the the, the 85cc world champion, the neighbour. You know, that'll be pretty cool to impart mm-hmm. your wisdom and knowledge onto him. And he'll he'll be he'll be just loving having you around to. To, to learn from mate so he must be pretty happy about it he might not tell you but i'm sure he's um feels pretty privileged no he's a very good kid he's so nice and he only is he's an amazing guy and i wish i wish him all the best I've, I've seen him growing up from like basically being in pampas to uh to now being an 85 junior world champion so uh he, he will he'll get far i i'm sure of it cool um that's uh, always a pleasure, and we definitely got to get you back on. Hundred um, percent, mm. uh, it'd be uh, great to get you back on and throughout the year. So whenever you're free, let me know, and yeah. uh, we'll get you on the show. Yeah, awesome. Let me know. Hey, have a Brilliant. good evening, guys. Or, yeah, or thanks, guys. Good, good, day. good day, Ed. All right, see you, mate. Good to, good to see you again, and all the best. Yeah, thank you. See you. Bye bye. See ya.